This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. In this podcast, I examine logical fallacies, cognitive biases, stoic teachings from masters past and present, and tips on being better at life. I hope it will be as instructive to you as it is to me in the pursuit of thinking and doing well. Hello and welcome to Thinking and Doing. We're going to look at a couple of stoic teachings. The first will be out of uh, Ryan Holiday and Stephen, excuse me, Stephen Hanselman's uh, The Daily Stoic. And the second will be out of the Stoicism subreddit. All right, here's the first. It begins with a quote by Seneca. Life without a design is erratic. As soon as one is in place, principles become necessary. I think you'll concede that nothing is more shameful than uncertain and wavering conduct and beating a cowardly retreat. This will happen in all our affairs unless we remove the faults that seize and detain our spirits, preventing them from pushing forward and making an all-out effort. All right, before I read the commentary by Holiday and Hanselman, I'll just uh, put in some of my own. I like the, the first couple sentences. Life without a design is erratic. As soon as one is in place, principles become necessary. This reminds me of des- design, particularly design uh, such as in architecture. If you're going to put in a design, that design must be... um based on certain architectural principles, right? You do things a certain way in order to get a certain outcome and to make it last. Life without a design is erratic. As soon as you want to not make it so erratic and cha- or chaotic, then you need a design, which means you need principles. And that's where Stoicism, as well as uh, other philosophies, I suppose, uh, come into play. Without principles... You can't have a design, and without design, then when things happen that you're unprepared for because you don't have a design, then you'll be forced to, in in the words here, um, cowardly retreat, which isn't a push forward. It isn't progress. It's going backwards. All right, let's see what they say. The opposing team comes out strong, establishes an early lead, and you never had time to recover. You walk into a business meeting, are caught off guard, and the whole thing goes poorly. A delicate conversation escalates into a shouting match. You switch majors halfway through college and had to start your coursework over and graduate late. Sound familiar? It's the chaos that ensues from not having a plan. Not because plans are perfect, but because people without plans, like a line of infantrymen without a strong leader, are much more likely to get overwhelmed and fall apart. The Super Bowl winning coach, Bill Walsh, used to avoid this risk by scripting the beginning of his games. If you want to sleep at night before the game, he said in a lecture on game planning, have your first 25 plays established in your own mind the night before that. You can walk into the stadium and you can start the game without the stress factor. You'll also be able to ignore a couple of early points or a surprise from your opponent. It's irrelevant to you. You already have your marching orders. Don't try to make it up on the fly. Have a plan. All right. I like this. I really do like this. 
having a plan is important. However, <laughs> and you might you might know where I'm going with this. I believe it was it was the ancient Stoic Mike Tyson <laughs> who said, "Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face." <laughs> um, that's a little different. Getting punched in the face quickly becomes a mental problem. It quickly becomes something that totally enwraps you in something that it is very difficult to think your way out of because thinking is not is just simply not available when you've been hit in the face. Um, so that exception aside, I think this wisdom still stands that that we get here from uh, Seneca and uh, the commentary by Holiday and Hanselman. Having a plan is better than not having a plan. Having principles that that aid you in designing your life day to day is better than not having principles. You will be on sure footing with principles, with a plan, and you will more often make it out of uh, any situations alive and better for it. Going into them with a plan, even if the plan falls apart early, you've got contingency plans for that, right? Than, than if you don't. So the title of this particular entry here in the Daily Stoic is Cowardice as a Design Problem. Cowardice only happens when you don't have design, right? When you don't have principles to help you through whatever happens. Principles that help you build your original plan and then principles that help you with any contingency plans when things don't go quite as expected, which is probably very often. All right. I like that. Okay, let's let's hop let's hop over to Reddit now. And we're in the Stoicism subreddit, and I'll link to this entry. It's really a question, and there's some I think there's some pretty good responses that we'll go over. So the question is by Hipsta Barista, and he asks, How do you deal with people having incorrect and negative and a negative perception of you? Uh, he says, I'm talking about people who have to live you have to live with, colleagues, flatmates, etc especially when logically they are in the wrong, at least let's assume. Um, that's an interesting question really for both, for in, in both instances, when, when, when they are wrong about whatever it is they think about you, they have bad information or when they are right, you, you were foolish at some point in the past and they've got a negative perception of you. But I, I we'll see. I think the responses are limited to the first one because that's how we clarified it. All right. So there's this guy, Minus two fish leaves an Epictetus quote that says, if that person really knew me and my flaws, they'd have, they've, they'd have said something much, much worse. <laughs> I like that. If they had, if they really knew me and all of my flaws, they would have an even worse perception of me. You know, that's probably true. I think, I think all of us, we, I don't think, I don't, it, it's probably not the, it's probably not anywhere near the totality of us, but I think all of us have a really fucked up person inside, <laughs> right? It's the person that makes the really fucked up jokes. It's the person that has the really bad and negative thoughts about others. If you were to take all of the the messed up part of you, the bad jokes, the the, the evil stuff, and you make a person out of that, what would people think of that person? Probably a lot a lot worse than what they're thinking about you now. All right. And that person lives in you. I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. I'm not saying that, uh, but it's a part of you. Okay. I think we all have 
really messed up thoughts sometimes within the privacy of our minds. And that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. And within the proper company, uh, venting them out can also be a good thing therapeutically. All right, let's go on. Um, this person, Oscar Wow 10 says, what other people think of me is none of my business. And I agree with that to an extent. What other people think of me is none of my business. What other, what other people think of me is, is to a large extent beyond my control. You can't control what other people think. You can, you can attempt to influence it. You can try to inspire it in one direction or another. This guy says, what other people think of me is none of my business. Do I agree with that? In many cases, yes, but if the police have done, if the police believe I've done something wrong and they've come to arrest me, well, that's my business. If uh, somebody in my family, somebody close to me believes I've done something wrong, that quickly becomes my business. If my wife hears something and it, it rings very true to her for some reason, and now she's concerned that that becomes my business. So, I mean, I, I get it. Maybe, maybe what strangers think of me, if it's just a matter of personal opinion type stuff, they disagree with my politics. They disagree with my philosophy. Maybe they think I'm wrong because I don't go to church or something, or, you know, just, just small little harmless personal opinions. Maybe that's none of my business. doesn't matter. Um, okay. This guy, main event 2020 says in psychology, they call it the individuation process as we are so helpless at a young age, our very survival relies on others. And therefore we instinctively need approval from them. As we grow older and more independent, we no longer need that approval, but part of us still craves approval to become a healthy and strong adult. You need to move on from this or you can never reach your potential. I like that. Um, I think he's a bit wrong about the growing older and more independent part. And this is actually a comment I just added on here. I said, evolutionarily, we are still hunter-gatherers. Our minds do this because it's necessary for survival to remain a valuable member of the tribe. That's my semi-educated guess on why this need this need sticks around into adulthood. But he's right um, to an extent. We are we are not we are no longer living as hunter-gatherers, and the approval of others may not be as necessary to our survival as it once was for our species. That doesn't mean that we don't still need approval. That doesn't, okay, let me put it this way. Approval may be useful. It may serve us in maintaining our jobs and our relationships that we value and, and so on and so forth. Is it is it something that we have a need for in order to be a healthy and happy and strong adult? I don't think so. Um, in fact, if somebody has such a perception, we should evaluate how useful um, or anti-useful, I guess we could say, that person and their perception is to us. And if it's if it's something that we can move on from, it's not important in the grand scheme of things, then, then we probably should move in that direction. If it's not, then it might be worth correcting. Um, okay, let me find... Okay, so this guy PNW writes, and it's a quote, he doesn't cite it. I forget who wrote it, but I've read it before. Waste no more time arguing what a good man should be. Be one. So that's interesting. It, you know, it might not be, it might not be useful or beneficial to try to correct the negative, uh, perception or misperception as it is. It might be better just, just, just to be the better person 
and move on with your life. And perhaps their perception of you will change through witnessing who you, who you are day to day moving forward. Okay. So this next person, Saul Invictus writes, others perception of you are not within the realm of things which you can control directly. So from that point of view, you ignore them and go ahead living the true and outstanding life, which you are already doing. On the other hand, on the uh, very slight, we all realize chance that your conduct fails in some way in regards to the matters they take issue with, review that conduct dispassionately and from their point of view to be certain that your, your, that your chosen path is all it can be. So that's, uh, talking about, that's more of, uh, of a justified negative perception. You've, Figure out if you've made a mistake. If you have made a mistake, then you need to take responsibility for that. You need to fix it. You need to um, understand the consequences that that mistake has brought to bear in others. Um, Try to feel sorrow for that. Apologize. Make amends. Make it better. And then move move forward. If it is a misperception, and, and again, like I said, if it's not useful to you to fix it, then then ignore it and move forward. If it is, if it is useful to you to fix it, then, then you should probably, you should probably sit down with a person and say, look, I'm, I'm not a perfect person. I know I've made mistakes. I feel like you think of me in some certain ways and I just want to know if I can fix that. But I, I don't, I don't consider doing that any sort of, any sort of obligation beyond just its usefulness. If it's useful for you to, repair that perception because that person uh, has something to offer, then it's probably worth doing. Or if you believe that this person is themselves a pretty good person and there's somebody that you want to keep around in your life because you think that they will be benefit, doing so will be beneficial to you. Um, again, that, that just comes back to usefulness. Then it's probably worth repairing that in that way. Um, okay. I like what this guy says. Um, Psycho Croquet is his name. Just try and don't give a fuck. But maybe you should also try and listen to what they think of you because sometimes we fail to see how our behavior is perceived and we're actually the one in the wrong. I like that. That's a slightly different perspective. Maybe you can't for the life of you, life of you, reviewing, you know, what you've done, understand what it is they, you know, they, or why it is they could be feeling that way. Talk to them about it. Maybe they will enlighten you. Maybe you're missing something that a third party is not. Okay, so this one's good. This is Natalio. If what he's saying is true, what is there to be frustrated about? In fact, you should be glad he pointed out a flaw of yours so you can fix it. If he's wrong, why care? Your conscience can be at peace knowing there's nothing wrong. To change what other other things. To change what others think isn't really in your power either way. Just be yourself. If it's just a misunderstanding, it will resolve itself in time. Okay, so this guy here says something different. Nemo Sam, he says, If they are mistaken and you do not correct them, you are in the wrong. If you correct them and they are still mistaken, then they are in the wrong. Do not, But do not neglect the possibility that they are correct and you have flaws to fix within yourself. I like that. Yeah, if they're mistaken, I, I think I think it's it's worth... Um, it's probably worth trying to have, trying to have a rational conversation say, look, you think this about me? I think, I think that it's a mistake for these reasons and just trying to have a conversation with people. Okay. I think it's fine. It's, it's okay to have conversations with people. I think people can grow from that. You can grow, they can grow. 
And even if it, if, even if it turns into a shit show, even if there's somebody that is chooses to be unreasonable or chooses to be childish, then that will be instructive to you on who, uh, on who they are. You will get a better perception of them, uh, from, from them as a direct source. And then you can move forward. The other outcome is that they say, you know, uh, you're right. I was wrong. I had a misperception. Uh, thank you for clarifying. And now they grow and you grow. All right. I think that's going to do it. We looked at cowardice as a design problem and we looked at, uh, dealing with other people's negative perceptions of you. All right. That's going to be it. Thank you so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to thinking and doing podcast at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash EVC or paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Thank you.